0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For the better part of at least a thousand years, every single day in the Catholic Church, prayer begins with those words. That psalm that we have for our responsorial psalm is, in the liturgy of the church, the very first psalm that is prayed every day. And it's been the case for at least a thousand years. That's remarkable, that broad length of time. And as the church prays to so consistently begin with those words and that very idea. And note the very essence of it. If today you hear his voice, the implication being that today is an opportunity to listen to the speaking of God. And in that listening, if perhaps there is a sense that heaven is speaking to me, I need to respond, and there are two possible responses. There is the response that hardens the heart, which is the response that says, I have no interest in what you're saying to me, and for most of us, if we've been alive for more than 10 minutes, we know what that feels like, and then there is the other response that says, how do I follow? what it is you ask of me. And right there, that choice that is made, not merely a choice to listen, but a choice to do something with what I've heard. We have the very essence of the question of authority that sits in all of our readings today. It is one thing to hear God speak. It is one thing to know what God says that's necessary, that's vital, but it's not enough. Because what really matters is how we respond to what we hear and what we know. And so we have then this issue now of the God speaking to us and how do we respond. We see in our first reading this mysterious set of statements from the book of Deuteronomy. The people come to Moses because they've been overwhelmed by God. They've stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and seen the mountain shake. They've seen the great fire, they've heard the roll of thunder, and the presence of God is so tremendous, so obvious, it is also overwhelming. And these fragile, sinful, inconstant hearts standing before such a greatness as that, ask the question of how much longer could we do this? Because there is something about God that is overwhelming because he is greater than we are, greater than we can comprehend. And this Lord who delivered them when he showed them that greatness also made abundantly clear to them their fragility. And the holiness of God, that light that casts out all darkness, shining against a human heart that loves darkness, that heart itself realizes I am not even used to standing in the light, let alone living in it. And so they come to Moses and they say, we've met the Lord, we've heard the Lord, but there's a weightiness about his word that is too heavy for us. And that's a fair thing to say. That is a very fair thing to say. So they come to Moses and they say, you're safer than he is. We understand you. And you have stood before God and you can speak his word to us. And it is better for us that it be a little indirect because of how overwhelming the Lord is. Moses goes back to God with this, saying the people are interested, but they are overwhelmed by you. And the Lord, we hear, is pleased that the people speak this way. The Lord is pleased because the Lord recognizes now that the people understand that we do need help to live our faith well. We do need help to understand God well. We do need help to receive what he has for us, because his goodness is beyond what we can imagine. His mercy is deeper than we can easily live, and his holiness is a demanding reality that has no room for wickedness. So the Lord says to Moses, I will continue speaking to them through you. In other words, you will speak to them with the authority of the word I give you. And this is crucial. Moses himself has no authority of his own. He is authoritative because of the word that God gives him. And it is the will of the Lord, the authority of the Lord, that the people encounter through Moses. Not so overwhelming, but real. And the Lord says, And this is how I will continue to speak to them until that day when I raise up a prophet like you. And yet as the Lord continues to describe it, it's quite clear He will be like you, but he will be more than you. I will raise up one, and my word will not simply be something he repeats to the people. It will live within him and speak out of him. He will be like you. He will be a man who will come before the people, not in overwhelming might and transcendent glory, But he will come, and he will draw near, and he will be direct. And he will not overwhelm, but he will bring my voice and my word and my goodness near that they might know and that they might respond. And here, quite clearly, he is speaking about the one whom we meet in our gospel reading today. Jesus, God made man. Jesus, who is himself the word of God made flesh. Jesus, who when he speaks to us is not repeating the word of God. Jesus, who is that word. And so it is, we have then in our gospel reading, Jesus going to the city of Capernaum, where he lived for a good part of his public ministry. And in coming into the city at the beginning of his ministry, he goes into one of the synagogues. He unrolls the scroll, he reads, and then he begins to explain. And as he teaches, there's a reaction among the people. Because there's something about this one and something about the way he speaks that is different from anybody else they've ever listened to, that is different from anything else they have ever heard. No priest, no Pharisee, No scribe, not even the words of the prophets that they read speak in quite this way. There is something different about this one when he speaks. He's not just another wise man. He is not just another well-educated teacher. There is something beyond that here. They are not hearing merely a level of education and study. They are not hearing the fact of one who's tried to live this for a while. They're hearing something beyond that. It's important that we catch this here, this reaction of the people to the voice of Jesus. Because they respond this way precisely because there's something more than merely mortal excellence communicating to them. Not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a holy man, good as those things are, but something greater. And they describe it by naming the impact of his word upon them. He doesn't teach like the scribes who repeat what is written. He speaks with authority. What an interesting word. It is a word that our modern world has an ambiguous relationship with. We love to have authority ourselves but we do not like being under authority. Or as one of my friends when I was in college put it I'm not anti-authority I'm just anti-being told what to do. Authority, by definition, is a claim. Authority, to experience authority, is to experience someone or something making a claim on me. To assert authority is to make a claim over a situation or over a person. But authority involves a claim, authority demands a response or it's not real and so there's something about how Jesus is speaking that strikes deep into their lives and it's a word that claims them in some way it's a word that names the reality of who they are in some way it is something deeply personal and it's experienced Not by talking about him, not by thinking about him, but by listening to him and meeting him. And however wise and well-educated and good the scribes were, they never taught in a way that claimed the deep part of the heart as Jesus is doing that day in the synagogue. And so here he is, and this is very much now an experience of God speaking to his people with the might of that word that claims our lives because he is the one who is Lord over all life. The people are puzzled. And we know now that they experience a certain claim. There is an authority about his teaching. That doesn't mean they know how to respond but they do know that what is different about him is that there has to be a response. I can listen to the scribes and I can say that's really interesting and I can get on with my day. But there's something different about Jesus. He makes a claim on me and I need to respond to that claim. If today you hear his voice, harden not your Hearts. Because the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, always involves a certain kind of acclaim. And then we see, as if to illustrate what this is and what this isn't, there actually is a response, a powerful response to the teaching of Jesus, and it's negative. The first one who responds with strength as the people are puzzled. What is this? It's striking my heart. What do I do? Somebody whose heart was struck speaks up, and it's a demon. It is often the case that Satan, the demon, that evil is the first to respond to Jesus. How curious that is. We would think it would be goodness, wouldn't we? We would think it would be the holy ones, wouldn't we? And yet the one who knows exactly what is going on here is the one who doesn't want anything to do with it. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? In other words, who do you think you are to claim me? Who do you think you are to touch my heart and my life? That's mine. I make those decisions. I decide what's right, I will live my own way. Who are, what do you have to do with how I live? Know how personal that is, and how natural and how easy that reaction can be for any one of us. Because like my friend said, we're not necessarily anti-authority, but we're anti-doing what we're told. And so here it is that the voice of the Spirit now speaks against Jesus. And why? Because the evil spirit understands that the word of the Lord is exactly a threat. It is a threat to its destructive hold over that man's life. What we see here is a man who is oppressed and afflicted. He's mastered by an anger he can't control. He's mastered by impulses he can't control. And these things that master him little by little rob him of his dignity. But it's been so long. It may well be that he's also used to that now. And so it is that this dark power which masters the human heart, which masters this man's life, hears the word of Christ and it understands that that is the word that can set this life free. That is the life that can break the chains that I have wound around this man's heart. That is the life that doesn't allow me to play my destructive games anymore. I want nothing to do with that. Have you come to destroy us? A human voice speaks those words, but it is an inhuman impulse within that life which produces them. Have you come to destroy us? And the answer that Jesus gives is quite clear and it's authoritative. I know who you are, the Holy One of God, and what does the Lord say? Oh, shut up and leave him. Because when evil witnesses to me, it always gets it wrong. You use the right words. Yes, I am the Holy One of God, but I have not come to destroy men and women. I have not come to break their lives into pieces. I have not come to make more slaves. I've come for another reason. And yes, I am a threat to you. I am a threat to you who want to wound and diminish and enslave the heart of man. I am a threat to you, but not to that one that you're oppressing. Not to that one that I have come to set free. And so it is that this authority of Jesus that the people are puzzling over, now they see it is authority that can even reach into the darkest corner of the heart And bring light. It is an authority that can reach even into the darkest impulses that master us. And be victorious over them. Calm them. Settle them. Even cast them out. Note how powerful this is. This is not the voice of one who says, oh, we have to try harder. This is the voice of one who says, I can help you. This is the voice of one who says, my presence here is real and my authority and my goodness is so real it doesn't just wish you were better, it will make you better. Note the difference. We live in a world where we talk about our problems all the time. And again, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, it's not confession, but how many of us have wasted the night solving all the world's problems? only to discover that nothing is solved the next day. That's the way we speak, because our speech doesn't have that kind of authority. Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't use empty words. Jesus doesn't greet us with platitudes and slogans. Jesus speaks in a way that claims the human heart so we can bring that heart from darkness into light from slavery into freedom, from wickedness into goodness. And as he sets this man free, the people open their eyes and wonder, and they say, this is indeed a new teaching, not just a different teaching. We've never heard of any teaching that can speak a word like that to evil, and evil actually responds and goes away. What a remarkable power that is, and yet in his goodness, note how gentle it is. He doesn't flash lightning. There's no sound of thunder. There is no overwhelming consuming fire here. There is Jesus, a man like Moses, and yet more than Moses speaking not simply a word he was given, but speaking the word that he is. Not a man merely under authority, but one who is authority. And so when he speaks, the weight of divine power asserts itself in his words. We don't like being claimed. We don't like being put upon because our experience in this world is that so much of what claims us diminishes us and doesn't bring us real goodness. But the authority of Jesus is of a different kind. It is not a claim that enslaves us, but a claim that frees us. It is a claim to say, give your heart to goodness and not to anything less. And why? Because he so wonderfully says, I have come that you might have life. And have it, not to the minimum, but to have it in abundance. And how wonderful it is that here in this place today, in just a few minutes, in a way that is even more mysteriously humble than the way he veiled his power in that synagogue 2,000 years ago, Jesus is going to be on this altar. Our eyes aren't going to see him because he disguises himself in the form of bread and wine. Note how humble and non-threatening that really is. And yet it's him. And that same authority that expressed itself so mightily in that synagogue 2,000 years ago is going to be right here on this altar. And from that altar, he's going to come down to meet you just like he met all of those people in that synagogue 2,000 years ago. And there may be one or more than one of us here today whose heart is afflicted, whose life is wounded and oppressed much like that man's life in that synagogue. And there could be a hesitance within us about drawing near to a goodness so great because goodness always threatens what's wrong. But goodness doesn't come to be a threat. Goodness comes to give life. And how wonderful it is that we get to come forward and stretch out our hands, open our mouths and receive him. And when we go back to our places after we receive him in Holy Communion, remember the words of that responsorial song. As you kneel or as you sit down, close your eyes and compose yourself a moment and just appreciate the gift that you've been given and that the Lord has come to you. And remember what the Psalm says, if by chance in your heart this day, if by chance in the synagogue of your heart, you hear him speak, harden not your heart, but respond. However imperfectly, However, haltingly, just respond, if today you hear his voice. Because when he comes, he does speak. And I have no doubt that there's somebody here today who will hear him in his or her heart, in this place, on this day. And when you hear his voice, take a chance and respond. Amen.